sometimes you may actually need to break up with that passion idea, even temporarily, and do an idea that's going to meet your criteria for where you need to run a business. So there's also that moment that it may not be the passion idea that you go forward with. And they always say, they're like, but I'm not going to forget about it. And you don't have to create a journal just for that idea and keep it alive and keep it exciting and then make money in a business that's more viable and then launch that when you're good. Ladies, welcome to season three of B3 Podcast, Boss Babies and Bottles. And for those of you that are new here, my name is Jessica with a Y. I'm a twin mom, wedding and event planner, entrepreneur, and for today, your drinking buddy. May that be coffee or wine, depending on the time of day. Here I get real with you and talk about all things mom life, building your business, and event planning. What I've loved most about my first two seasons with you guys is that I've gotten to meet some amazing women and moms that are just like me, just trying to do their best in life. I've also been able to get super real with you all on my life and motherhood in general. So join me this season as I go through the twins' first birthday and what it's like to be a mom of twin free toddlers. I'll also be having some amazing special guests and going through some of my best wedding planning stories too. So grab your favorite bottle or drink and let's get this party started. much for joining today's episode of Boss Babies in Bottles. Today we have a very special guest, Ms. Sandra Francisco. So welcome, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, she is an amazing business coach, guys, that really just helps entrepreneurs go from idea to profit while just really balancing personal growth and everything that they can have to really fulfill, to have fulfillment and extraordinary profit. So today we're really going to be talking about um, a lot of how to, you know, really make a profitable business, you know, like turning your passion into this profitable business, which a lot of us have, we all have this like really awesome side hustle that we love, but how do we really make that, you know, our true calling? So Sandra and us, we're kind of going to go through some of that today, but I want to tell you guys a little bit more about her first. She's really spent about 15 years as a marketing and product development expert for two of Canada's fortune, uh, 10 companies managing 50 and a hundred million dollar projects while leading thousands of people in these companies. So she really has the expertise to kind of take us through this podcast today. So I'm, I am super excited. So Sandra, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit more about you? Yeah. So, I mean, I, first of all, I always love to say how much I love nature because I feel like that is who I am. Aww. When I was a child, I actually grew up on a farm um, where there was beach and mountains and nature. And Aww. that was the true essence of who I was until, you know, life starts to happen. So I've come back really to the core of being more and more in nature. And I'm first and foremost, a nature lover. Um, and next is definitely being a mom to two children that I just feel blessed that were given to me in this lifetime. And in the next really would be the entrepreneur side of me that was actually over the last 10 years I've developed. It didn't think that I had it in me and I didn't think mm -hmm. it was natural. And that's a lot of people that I work with. I was in corporate for 15 years. Yeah. And when I was, you know, studying business, I always thought I was studying business for corporate and to work for big companies. So just, also getting to know a creative side of me, that's been an adventure all in and of itself. Mm -hmm. I love nature too. I love everything outside, but you live in Toronto where it's cold. So I don't yes. know how much nature do you really get half the year? <laughs> yeah, you know, this year I actually, because I usually travel 
right? Mm-hmm. Before when we could travel and that yeah. was because we're still in lockdowns. Oh, you guys are still in lockdown. That's not, it's, it's fun and interesting. So my, <laughs> my answer before was that I would always travel every couple of months, but in the last year and a half, I've had to do other things. So last year I said, well, I'm going to challenge myself to get uh, more friendly with the cold. And I, I hate to report that I did not do so well. <laughs> this I mean, I still did go out more than I normally do because usually winter, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to get out of here. But I did go out walking a lot more. We do have a lot of nature, you know, conservation areas near. So I did do more of that, but I will still say I do not enjoy the cold on my face. (laughs) Yeah, that's not, that's not my favorite either. I I like it in theory, but I definitely don't like it in real life. (laughs) Yeah. I like it in theory. I like winter in theory. And then I'm there (laughs) and I like it for the first few days. And then after that, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go home. (laughs) I definitely love that. So I guess then just, I mean, obviously, so if someone wants to run a business, but doesn't even have an idea, like what, what do you suggest to them? And that actually, a lot of the students that I work with that are in my group program, Mm -hmm. that is very common. And what's there before an idea is a desire. So if you don't have a desire, then why are we having this conversation? You wouldn't even think of it. But when that desire exists, and especially when it's persistent, so it's been in you for weeks, months, sometimes years, and you don't have an idea. And typically that's where people sit with their desire because they feel like, well, if I don't have a specific idea, then this probably isn't for me. But when I've worked with these people that are coming to me with this desire, and the first question they ask me is, but do you think that I qualify? Like, maybe I just have to get over this because I don't have an idea. So this isn't for me. So I actually developed this four-step formula to help people choose the best idea for them because this kept happening. And I kept hearing this. I kept hearing people say, but I want to have my freedom. I know I'm meant for more. I want to create. I want to have an expression out there. I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. So I did start that. Initially, I was starting with people that had ideas and we went from there. And then I kept getting this. I'm like, well, there are people that are before the stage of the idea. So in that, if you're there, then what I've worked with that's been very successful is actually starting people on brainstorming on what their skills, experience, and talents are that they have now. And we are not the best as humans of doing inventories like that because we really underestimate ourselves, most of us. So I always challenge people to do at least 50 things on the list and do as much as you can yourself and then reach out for help. Reach out to the people that you trust and ask them like, what skills, experience, talents have you seen that, that I have? And people always tell me they're so surprised when they get all of this stuff back and they're like, oh, that's a talent. Cause we take it for granted. If the, if we're really good at it, we for sure take it for granted. I agree. So it's like, put as much as you can on paper and experiences doesn't just have to be job related, like life experiences, things that you've done, things that you've overcome. Like it's there's, you can keep, and by the way, when you put this on the list, no one, no police is going to come and say, no, that's wrong. We can't, that can't be there. So just dump it all in. And then later we'll go through it. Right. So that's the first thing is just put it all down. Then we do go back and look at each one of those, the lists that you created and look and see, is there any market viability? Could you turn that skill, talent, or experience into a product or service? Could you do that as a service? Could you build a product around it? And it's, it's not that as difficult as it sounds. Like if you can't think of anything, then Next, next. But in the list of 50, some of them are going to show up that, oh, I could consult here. I could do this or I could create this. I could do that. Mm -hmm. Then you have narrowed that list down. Then I take them through a process of then looking at the, you know, usually there's about 10 top 10 of, okay, now what's the profit potential of some of these ideas? 
because some of them, they may have, you may have a lot of passion and you may be really interested in them, but they may not actually be profitable at this point in time. Things can yeah. change. No, I love time. that. I don't think people do that enough. I don't think, yes. I don't think a lot of people like, I don't know if I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm pretty good at like, I think trying to get things out. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try, even though I have my own business, I would be doing it just for me. But I love that idea, like writing down 50 things that our experience or talents or whatever, anything that we could come up with about us, because I would have never thought I was going to become a wedding planner. Like that was not like, I didn't grow up ever thinking this was going to be me. I grew up thinking I was going to be a doctor. And then I grew up thinking I was going to do sales and marketing. Like that was, that's my jam. This is what I do. And I was able to turn that and my organization into wedding planning, which is brings out a creative side in me that I really loved and never, never harnessed and also brought in all these other little things. And it fell on my lap, really. I don't want to say it fell on my lap because it really didn't. I worked obviously very hard for it, but the idea fell on my lap. Yes. And had I not, you know, had people around me that helped me see that I would have never done it. So I do like that whole, like jotting down the ideas and then of course, narrowing it down. And now we're going to think about how profitable they are. So, cause obviously at the end of the day, that's the most important, right? That's what we're trying to create a profitable business here. Exactly. And, and that's the thing is so a heart of a business is numbers and profit, but the heart of the entrepreneur is everything that is, that is true to them, like their integrity, they can choose how they create that profit. They don't have to bend any rules. They don't have to break integrity to do it, but the business if it's a business, does have to make profit. So right up front, I do walk them through doing at least some potentials and some estimates because some things also aren't going to meet their current needs and their and what they actually need this business to do. So they better to know, at least know a little bit up front before you go right into it. And the only other thing that I do in that first phase is also look at lifestyle options because there could be some businesses on there that are in your top 10, like a franchise, for example, that you're going to need to be there seven days a week, but you've got little kids and, you know, you, you may not have the help and the support and it's, it's, it may be a passion. You may have a great interest towards it, but at this time in your life, that just Love wouldn't match your lifestyle. Wow. That's actually a really great way to do it. I think, uh, I have a lot of guests that come on here and I think your step-by-step plan is probably one of the clearest I've seen so far. So, so now how, once they've narrowed it down and they look at the lifestyle, how do they decide which business idea is right for them? Do they just kind of pick which one they kind of gravitate towards the most? So once we've gone through market value, profit potential and lifestyle, most of the time that I've ever done this with people, we're down to one or two, That's right? Awesome. Cause already like, as you're going through that, you're, you know, eliminating, eliminating, eliminating. Mm-hmm. And then if you're down to like two, three ideas that all like have match your lifestyle, they all have some profit potential at that point yay, you just get to pick the one you want, right? Like it's kind of like they all qualify and you've already put them through the filters. So at that point, you do get to pick passion and be like, well, which one of these is more most exciting? If they all kind of already fit into this doable list, well, which one is my heart calling me to do? So at that point, it does become easier. It's usually the hardest thing is, you know, profit potential. That's a hard one, especially for creatives because creatives don't like to do numbers and they want to resist numbers and they kind of want to just experience it as they go. I mean, I have in my private practice, I work with a lot of well-established entrepreneurs that are already making seven, eight figures. And, you know, if they're creative, they have taken years to have like finally look at their numbers and they just like, they don't even know they're making money. They don't even know where the money's coming from, where it's going because they just resisted so much. So asking a creative to do numbers up front I, I realize it's a lot to ask. So I do like, if I'm working with them in, in my group, I usually like, there's a lot of techniques that I do to get creatives to like, just, just look at the numbers. They're your friend. Trust me. 
Yeah, you don't even have to come up with the numbers. You just have to look at them. <laughs> yes, at least just, I mean, it's in that yeah. you can research. That's a good question, though. Also, people say, well, where would I find that, right? Okay. And, you know, you're not going to, unless you are building a brand new product and you're like on the cutting edge and you're like an Elon Musk kind of person, mm-hmm. most of the time you're coming up with an idea that's been done. And that's perfectly fine. 90%, 95% of businesses that start every year are ideas that have already been done. So that's perfectly normal. So you can go and Google and see what other people are doing. And you can see what is this, what do people charge for this? Yeah. And then in this market, how much can I charge? So finding the numbers is really not that difficult. It really no, isn't. Definitely. I mean, we have a ton of data available. Yeah. And it's not, again, that's not doing numbers. That's just looking. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I agree. That's awesome. So how do they turn that passion into a profitable business? Like what's the next step? We got our passion. Now what do we do? Yeah. And the one thing I will say when it comes to passion, because I see this so much, sometimes you are going to have a business or an idea on the list. That's a real, like you're so called to it. It's a huge passion and it doesn't pass some of the either profit potential or the lifestyle. And then there's almost a period of having to mourn that and realizing like, I still want to do this, but it's not going to you know give me the money that I need yeah. to either do a part-time or to quit my job. So sometimes you may actually need to break up with that passion idea, even temporarily and do an idea that's going to meet your criteria for where you need to run a business. Cause remember you're trying to create profit and you're trying, you know, whatever it is that you need for that business to, to fund you and to get you what you need. So there's also that moment that it may, not be the passion idea that you go forward with and I've I've done that so many times with people and they always say they're like but I'm not going to forget about it and you don't have to you can create a journal just for that idea and keep it alive and keep it exciting and then make money in a business that's more viable and then launch that when you're good when ready to go so that that happens as well but once you've got the idea I take so I take everyone through a four-step I love force. So I should say that now my background is in product development and business development. And in that there's systems, of course, that we can get stuff to market. So I actually take people through explore, plan, develop and launch. So once you've gotten the idea and you're honed in on this is the one I'm taking forward, then you're going into that explore phase. And inside of that explore phase, you are doing a lot of the work that people that typically do in launch because they haven't, you know, they haven't done it properly. But in Explore, we're going through target market research. We're actually figuring out what would be ideal clients, your demographics, of course, but also psychographics. What's like, what do these people really want? You know, what are their needs, their desires, their passions? Why? What's driving them? Do they want to go towards something? Do they want to go away from something? Do they want relief? So we do a lot of that exploring um, right up front so that that, and, and a lot of it is gathering data too, but it yeah. gives you so much to go on that you can then plan and then develop. And then when you get to launch, you are in the marketing creative phase, but you're not also just like throwing things out there like, well, let me try this, try that when you're spending money and, and time. And then all of a sudden you're super frustrated because so many months have passed and so much money has gone out and you're not sure why this isn't working. So we do a lot of that work up front. Yeah, I agree. A lot of people don't. They just try to open and and hope for the best. And it's important to look at. It's also important at the beginning to log as much data as you can as you're doing things so you see what's working and what's not working, um, you know, correctly. And I think a lot of people don't do that, again, because they're so caught up in the day-to-day. And it's like, if you don't do that at the beginning, you don't know what you're doing. And so getting very clear with your target market and getting very clear with the data up front and at the beginning is really going to help you launch into success past that first year, depending on what you're doing. But typically, sometimes the first year you have all that support from friends and family. And so it's past that that you really have to get through, in my opinion. 
Yeah. And, and everybody, of course, you're going to experience this in a different way for everybody, but community is so important. Finding that community in the early days and throughout your you know, entrepreneurship journey, you're going to want a community. Of course. Agreed. I mean, obviously so many people have lost their jobs now due to COVID-19 and all the shutdowns and they've had to change directions. So how could someone turn that really into, you know, how could someone use this and turn this into like the greatest time of their life instead? Yeah. And you know what? I can speak from my own experience because when I left corporate um, 11 years ago now, when I first um, exited out of corporate, it was actually because I was experiencing really intense anxiety and I felt like it was my choice to leave. But in a way, it felt like it wasn't a choice because I was choosing between my life mm-hmm. and health and, and a job. So I, it was like I was so identified with the job that I, I think I needed that to be so dramatic for me to leave. So I definitely went through a period of like, you know, identity crisis, not understanding, you know, who am I now without this and, you know, and financially thinking, okay, what am I going to do and all that. So I, even though I, I wasn't fired, I quit, I still went through that same experience. But in that time, like you said that, you know, wedding planning kind of fell in your lap, which is like the organic, same thing for me, I actually went and studied nutrition because I thought, okay, I can't stay home all day with this anxiety that's worse. So I'm going to go do something that's so far away from corporate high-tech environment, I'm going to go and study nutrition and nature. And it was there that I met entrepreneurs and that I started to be around people that had businesses and I just organically started helping them to develop their products. So consulting, which was the first thing they did when I you know, started to work on my own, also fell in my lap because it just one thing led to the other. So I think that, you know, of course, you're going to go through the emotions of the loss and what does this mean and financials and all those other things. And if you can at least stay open to the possibility that there's a possibility that something amazing is trying to emerge, something new is trying to emerge. So if you just stay open and you can see, well, I was just talking to this person about this. Maybe that's something worth investigating. Maybe I can look and see what does it take to run that kind of business? Could I do that? And that doesn't mean that if you still need a steady income, you're still going to look for another job. And that's that's fine. You reality is reality, but maybe the passion of something will show up during this time. So I think the biggest thing is just to stay open to the moments when you think that you're being punished and it's like the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. What if there could be something amazing emerging? Yeah. I even think, you know, the doing something different, you know, which a lot of people did have to do because of COVID-19 and some people still haven't, but if you're not happy what you're doing, do something different. And that in some cases leads you to something completely different. So I even love just that thought, you know, how you decided to do something completely out there and it led you to this and you really just never know because all you're doing is using your past experience into something new, but it's, it's a knowledge base that you already had, but it's completely different from what you were doing. Exactly. Yes. And I didn't even imagine it before. It never yeah. came in my mind. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I mean, do you think someone with no experience can be an entrepreneur and create a, a profitable business? I mean, let's go through some tips on that because some people have never even had a business. They don't even know what that's like. Yeah. And I've worked with many people that that's been absolutely true. Never had any experience and didn't have like a background where parents were entrepreneurs or anything like that. So, I mean, I think that this is so debatable, right? People are going to have opinions, what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And I think for, for one thing, it takes a ton of learning. Like you're going to have to learn skills. All kinds of different things are going to show up throughout the journey. Not that you need to go learn it all at once. Like you're going to learn it throughout the journey. I think that the main thing that qualifies you again is your desire. If you are sitting with that desire and if it keeps coming up for you and you know, if you maybe try to get rid of it and shove it and it keeps coming back, 
I think that already qualifies you as an entrepreneur. Something in you is telling you you want to do something on your own. Now, that could be running a physical business. That could be online. That could be just consulting, just trading time for money. There's so many versions of what business means. So also don't get caught up in thinking, well, an entrepreneur is only somebody like an Elon Musk, somebody that creates something brand new in the world and new products. And, and I have a lot of people that come to me with that belief, like, well, but I, I just, you know, I'm an accountant and I was thinking instead of working for a corporation, you know, I was thinking of doing something on my own, but that's not a business. Is that a business? Right. And it's like, it's already a business. You're, yeah, you have a skill, you're exchanging it for money there. You're, you know, like there you go. Right. I think there's different levels to entrepreneurship in my opinion, you know, like there's the people who are serial entrepreneurs. It doesn't matter what business you give them, they will figure it out and make it, you know, and then there's people who have small businesses and and that's all you do. And that's all, you know, but yes, it's your skill and you're making money on it. Exactly. Um, Right. So there's, yeah, there's, I definitely think there's different levels to entrepreneurship for sure. Not everyone is an Elon Musk or anything like that. Cause there's also a lot that's not just entrepreneurial. That's someone who is by far just, you know, thinks differently and sees the world differently. So what if they have a job and this is a side business? What are the keys to making that transition successful for them? So someone with a side hustle who wants to make it more of a steady thing. Yeah. And you know what? I hate to say this. So the creatives are really not going to like me, but we're going right back to the numbers because where are you going to decide when that transition period comes really at the end of the day is going to come with, can you afford it? Right. Can you afford like, can, is the business ready to pay you or do you have another way that you're going to be funding yourself while you're going to grow this business? Right. Yeah. And, and in I, to that, I say, what if you did give it all your time? You know what I mean? Because, right. Because it's a side hustle. Sometimes you don't give it all your time. So what if that was all you did? You exactly. I mean? How much could you expand it? So when you hit that point. So it does come back to looking at the numbers and including time and all of those pieces. And if you are in, and if you can look at what have you created part-time based on the time that you have and the restrictions that you have, mm-hmm. and what could that look like if you then added four times as much, you know, 10 times as much time, whatever, you know, you're working with, but also at the same time, you know, it's, unrealistic for most businesses that are in a week or two weeks after you leave your job, it's going to just magically with with you giving it all your time, you're going to magically make all this money. So I always, and I am very conservative when I coach anybody, but I always say, well, the business is going to take its time, but do you, you can save and have a way to take care of yourself for that year. You know, I always like to say, make sure that while you have that job, that you are um, putting the savings in place so that if you, you know, want to go and do this full time, but the business isn't there yet, you actually have the savings that then is going to take care of you for that, you know, at least six months to a year. It could be faster. Who knows? Everybody's different. But I just don't think that an entrepreneur, a business owner that needs to be creative and think quickly is going to do that if they just leave their job and they've got like two or three months of money and then that's it. I think you don't want that stress. You don't want that stress because then that causes you to not produce either. So, so there is a balance to that. Um, And coming up with like, what is your minimum expense number? And this is where it's interesting because if you are younger, and I always talk about this, you know, really trying to take advantage of the younger you are because the less expenses you have, right? The younger you are. So, if you can come up with what your minimum number of expenses is, and then say, okay, what do I need to do to get to this? And then if you're close or you're there, then, then that switch, that transition becomes easier um, because yes. your money is being the, um, fulfilled in your side business. And then of course the growth should come from there, assuming that you continue to do what you're supposed to be doing. 
Yes, exactly. So it is, it does look, how, how do you prepare for that transition? The number one thing is you've got to just look at the numbers first of all. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm, I mean, everything that I do is an interplay of business and personal development. So I'm definitely not saying put your desires and, you know, your emotional and your well-being on the back burner, because everything that I do is about balancing and bringing in that well-being as well. But ignoring the numbers isn't going to add to your well-being either. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. And, you know, I, 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 I've done this a lot for myself, which is why I, I feel like I, I'm not a coach definitely at all, but I I've done this enough for myself where I have taught, you know, and said this so many times to my friends, to my sister, I just recently said it to, to my cousin who, who they're trying to start these businesses. They're trying to be entrepreneurs, but they're scared to leave their jobs. You know, they're scared to leave that steady income. And I guess partly because I never had steady income for me, it's like, oh, I'll figure it out. You know, I don't really know what that's like. The last time I had a steady job, I think I was in high school. It was the last time, you know, ever since then, I've, I've always kind of lived this way. So for me, it's very different. But I know it's hard to leave that steady income. But getting yourself to a place where you feel comfortable between your savings, between seeing where you're at, all of those things will help make this transition so much smoother. And in, I don't think I've ever met anyone. And you tell me, obviously, Sandra, what you think that has regretted leaving their, their employee like job. I've never met anyone. No, because, and even I have met people that have gone back that have tried it and they've, you know, they worked on their desire and then they decided, uh, I give me a job. I'm like, yeah. that's not for me. That's just, you know, I've tried it. It's not for me. So I have met people that, but they don't regret it. They're just like, yeah, I I'm grateful that I tried it and I did what I did. And I just realized there's so many things about it that is not for me. And I'm so happy now to have a job, yeah. but that's an exception. Cause most people I do meet have built things and have loved it, but you're right. I've never met anyone that said, Oh yes, I tried it and I hated it. And, I, and now I'm back to a job and I hated that. I, that I missed out on I being here true. for two years in this job. Like I've never met that either. I'm sure there's, there's people out there for sure, but at least the entrepreneurs that I try to surround myself with for the most part, you know, like you make it work and you make it happen. And, you know, I always talk about this on my podcast and I keep reiterating it you know, my mentality with a lot of things is swim or swim. There's no sinking, you know, we're going to make it happen because we're going to make it happen. And that's just what it is. And if you, if you truly believe that, and if you go in with that mentality, you will do whatever it takes to get it. It's not just having the mentality, although yes, mentality is a huge thing. You, you have to be able to work for that. So I definitely agree. I love that. So what are some beliefs, you know, that people have that could actually be limiting their business growth? Yeah. I mean, and that's true. Most of the reasons why we're limiting ourselves is coming from our own beliefs and the things that we're hanging on to. 100%. Yes. Yes. And a lot of it is like what we've picked up, right? What we picked up from parents, from teachers, from like just society in general. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some common for sure. I mean, I've heard so many different things that, you know, it's amazing what we get in our brains and what we get stuck to. Right. And now that, you know, 10 years in, I've listened to so many people speak about their beliefs. And sometimes I'm like, how did that one stick in? Like, it's just odd sometimes, but the common ones definitely have to do with, I'm not meant for this. Like this isn't for me. My parents aren't entrepreneurs. I don't know people that are entrepreneurs. I don't have, I'm not inventive. I'm not an ideas person. You know, this is just, isn't for me. So there's that, plagues a lot of people because the common view when people talk about ownership of business, people do talk about new, innovative, creative, risk-taking. That's a common thing. So if you don't identify with that, then there's belief systems that, okay, well, I can, I can maybe have this little thing, but I can never grow it because I don't have that what it takes. So that one I, I, I've worked with a lot. Then there's money beliefs. 
a lot of like hitting your ceiling and hitting your upper limits on, yes, I can have a, a business that makes six, you know, six figures, but that's it. Like I, I could never, I could never make more than that. So they hit the ceiling and then they get frustrated. Well, it was like, I was growing, I was growing, I was doing so well. And then, you know, last two, three years, I just seemed to hit the exact same amount of money. So then we're hitting like that, that ceiling, those limiting beliefs. And then there's always that worthiness that I find that if we dig deep enough in, in beliefs, there's something about people just believing that they're just not worthy of whatever that is of like the fame, you know, the number, like the actual profit, the money, the, you know, the reputation that comes with it, something, there's something in the business that they've believed that somebody has taught them somebody somewhere along their lives. That yeah, there's that's a disconnect. Sad one. Yeah. That's a sad one. I definitely agree with that. I would not, I don't know how people get that belief, but that, that is definitely something that's out there in, in all aspects of life, not just entrepreneurial that, you know, someone doesn't doesn't deserve something and that I don't think that's the case in a lot of things any other tips or anything that we missed Sandra that you want to make sure you tell our listeners about I think we talked about it, but I will stress that if you have a desire that do yourself a favor and explore it, oh. all you have to do is explore it. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to do anything drastic, but just spend some time, some creative time and enjoy it. Just explore. What would it be like? What would it look like? Look at other people that are doing something similar to what you're thinking of doing. Reach out. I mean, the one thing that I will say is people that are in business and entrepreneurs, nine times out of 10, I hear this all the time from, from my clients, the people will reach, like, if you reach out, they will connect with you. They will want to help you because anybody that's an entrepreneur has had to build stuff on their own and they've had to reach out for help. So sometimes you may find somebody online that's doing something similar to what you want to do. And you're thinking, oh, I, 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 I could never ask them. Why not reach out and ask and say, you know, I'm contemplating this. I'm thinking of doing this. Could I have 15 minutes of your time and ask a couple of questions? Sure. Not everybody will say yes, but you'll be surprised that if you yeah. ask a few times, somebody's going to say yes. And then explore that desire. Thank you so much, Sandra. So, I mean, obviously, lastly, this would not be the Boss Babies and Bottles podcast if I didn't ask you what your favorite drink or bottle was. Yeah, you know what? I actually only really for years now drink one thing and that's tequila. So I'm a purist. <laughs> that is all that I drink. That's my kind of girl right there. <laughs> all you drink is tequila. That's my sister. Jesus. You know, whenever you have a bad experience with one, you just never touch it again. That's tequila for me. See, see well, te tequila gets a, a bad rep only because it's mixed with other things. If you keep it pure, it's not the that tequila. Not me it. That was just me having too much of it. But that's, <laughs> that's not today's conversation. <laughs> it's also years ago. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm not with you on that boat, but I am definitely, my husband loves it. He loves all types, all all everything. I, I can't even smell it. So thank you so much, Sandra, for joining us today. I am super excited to get this out to the girls. And hopefully, uh, ladies, you guys have learned something because it definitely your steps are are clear, are easy um, to do and nothing too crazy. And I'm definitely even going to do it myself. I'm going to write down my 50 talents slash experiences. Is that what you call it? Yes. And skills, skills and experiences. So I'm going to do that myself because I think it's always cool to kind of see that and then do as much as I can. And then of course, have some help from, from friends and family. So thank you again, Sandra, for joining us today. Ladies, thank you for checking out this episode. We're going to link all of Sandra's socials, websites, and all of her promotions to this podcast so that you guys can definitely check her out uh, because she's absolutely fantastic. So see you guys on the next one.
Thank you, as always, for your love and support. The Breathe 3 Podcast wouldn't be anything without you. Make sure if you haven't already, please subscribe and review the podcast. And make sure to look me up on Instagram at ebjevents or canal.twins to stay up to date on upcoming special events and exciting announcements I might have. See you on the next one.